Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. All these downloadable places where you can just go and get your information and teach yourself to do whatever you want to do, there comes a time when you have got to submit to an actual institution if you are going to affect and change institutions. And so it is the exception to the rule where somebody does not go through the proper pipeline in order to be placed in their position of power. There really is. And so we often want to use the exception to the rule as the rule, don't we? Well, so-and-so didn't have to, and they, how many Steve Jobs have we had? Mm-hmm. Bill Gates. Some of these people are like, thank God there's only one of you. But the point of their inventions and places that have helped us and not hurt us That's the exception. That's not the actual rule. And when you do look at in Scripture who God used, I mean, when you think about Saul and why he was picked, he was picked for all the reasons that we still want to pick people today, the way they look. Family line, business prowess, all kinds of anointing. But were they actually chosen? Or did they just show up because there was a call? In theater, you have what we call the cattle call. Cattle call is, in essence, a massive audition. And I think that that's a really great example of the scripture of many called, few chosen. Because with cattle call, it's all these people show up, and you go, you do your monologue, you do your thing, you do whatever. And from the cattle called, they choose who's going to be in the show. They choose who's going to be the cast and then who's going to be the main cast, the support cast. You know what? We're, you know, I, I believe you have a calling to costuming. You should not be on the stage. I think that your, your assignment might be in makeup and hair. We're going to put you over there. And the cattle call is the summit, just out in the kingdom, posted everywhere. We call them auditions. Uh, come on, American Idol and all these other places where they just they go into these cities and towns and they get as many people as humanly possible, and then we see where we go from there and who makes the cut and who does not. And we really don't believe that God has kingdom cuts because it's easy to show up in the body of Christ and demonstrate your gift. It's easy to say, I have a gift, I have a calling, I have a purpose. But what is the choosing process for the Lord? That's where we lose it because, hey, just come on, and God is no respecter of persons. He just, you know, he loves us. I was talking to a friend of mine from home, from PA, and we were talking about that song, He Loves Us. Oh, wonderful. And she has a power charger for my phone because I forgot it. So I'm giving God a praise, guys. All right. And so we were talking about that song and, and all the songs that are about 
how Jesus feels about us and not any, well, I can't say anything, and how many ministries you realize you don't hear songs about Jesus. Not his name. It's him. It's him. It's he. It's everything but. Can you imagine if somebody addressed you by pronouns all the time? I mean, even a lot of people will call me apostle, hey, apostle, hey, apostle, hey, apostle. That's great. But at some point, my name actually comes up. When we're distinguishing, especially if there's more than one of us in the room, which one we're talking about. Apostle <laughs> Ashley, we're chief apostle. We already know who that is, okay? Chief apostle is the only one in this in this here house. And it's, okay, prophet, prophet, hey, chief. ACP, hey, assistant chief. There's only one of these people. But at some point, you still want to hear your name mentioned. So we say, hey, daughter. Hey, daughter. Hey, son. Hey, sis. Hey, bro. What is it? And after a while, like when people always do it to me, I'm like, I wonder if they have forgotten my name. And we start going generic in names when it's like you forget the person you're talking about. And so many times it's like we forget the glory of Jesus Christ. We forget the glory of God. We forget the majesty of who he is. We have removed all of that because we've made it self-serving. And any time you make something self-serving, you strip the majesty or the dignity off of it because it's all about you. It's all about my salvation is about me. It's about my home. It's about my family. I get so concerned when I see sovereign moments that are brought down to our domestic bliss. So concerned about that, that's very dangerous and scary to me because we have missed the whole point, not just of why Jesus came, but who he is, who is Jesus Christ, and what and who he, what this, no, this is a, some things are a byproduct or in effect of something, but not the point, and we've made maybe a bonus or a perk the whole point. There are perks to executive leadership, but that's not why we're in executive leadership. But you can tell somebody who is in executive leadership just for the perks because anytime, thank you, anytime those perks are jeopardized, uh, they turn into somebody else. And the first thing they say is what? I'm not here for this. Well, I didn't come here for that. People have said to us for years, there is no way I could have done this the way you all did because I wasn't going to sacrifice that. We know that's why God didn't give it to you to do, because it would not have gotten done. I mean, it's just that simple. For the Lord, it's a business decision. Who am I going to give this investment to that's going to give me the highest yield, the highest return on my investment? That's fantastic. If you can blow a church up to 50,000 members in under five years, it's terrible if you fall and 80% of those people get lost in Christ and never come back to him. Terrible return on God's investment. So he will pick somebody. He will pick somebody. Not we will pick somebody. He will pick somebody who might take the slow road. Listen, I've been called a Clydesdale. That's fine. Just this morning by certain mentor chief apostles. Listen, I came the slow way. Do, 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 do. But you know what? I kept hauling that wagon. da, da, da. da. <laughs> Didn't stop. Just didn't run. <laughs> I was the crockpot ministry. The slow cook. Okay? I was not the pressure cooker apostle. All right? There was no pressure cooking up in here. It was the crock 
plot. You might as well put me on in 1999 and come back to me in 2009. Because that's it. 2019 is when I was ready Ta-da! for consumption, apostolically speaking. And so sometimes when God is looking for the person who or the people or the groups of people who are going to stick it out, he's going to choose the person who is not in such a hurry to get to the big bucks and the big numbers and the big money and the big this and the big that, that they just jump off of the flames, out of the fire of purging and cleansing, away from mentors. We know some people who have literally despise every mentor. We're talking about big ministers. Tearing up people's churches all over, telling off leaders. And we're like, so is there somebody you haven't told off? Haven't hung up on the phone? Haven't you? Did you just hang up on Dr. Price on the phone? What? And you're somebody who's responsible for people's souls, and you hang up on people when you can't have your way? And so this is what's running the kingdom down here. But see, the generals up here, see, we're looking for who the generals pick. It's not coming off. It's not off. We're, not, we're looking at who do the generals pick. Who do they choose to put in? It was like who did Moses choose? Who did God choose to put as his successor? Not the People's Choice Award. See, Israel, later on down, we got the People's Choice. Later, we see how that worked out. But when it's God's choice, it works out a completely different way. And so with that, it's the price that you have to be willing to pay. What's in a name? Yeah, well, you know. What's in a name? Price is right. The price is right. When she was on Daystar in 2000 and back in the day in 2007, she came on and Marcus Lamb was like, the price is right. Got full price. And at that time, I didn't even get it like I got it now. No, no. That was over a decade ago. Jesus, you know God really bets you in decades. Oh, come on and say, hold on, I need to write some notes. Hold on, God bets you in decades. In decades. And it's really interesting how how that works. Now I don't know why this is doing that because it's not. But in any event, He bets you in decades. And what people don't recognize is that when He, when God wants to use you. And we've been on this journey. I think this is the word that God wants to give to his body. I really think so. Hit the button. So, because it's trying to sync up her computer instead of. Canceled. There we go. I got canceled. I yeah. Canceled it. Okay. God bets you in decades. All right. Forgive me, guys, but, you know, things get to popping up and your computer takes over your moment. <laughs> you know, today, today's oh, computer enough. takes over your moment, your research, your, work, your project. Your life. Your life. And your timeline. Okay. But but we've been on this journey for a while because I think God is making a statement that perhaps <laughs> we have not listened to. And that is we talk excellence. We talk maturity. We talk readiness. And, we, and it's been defined and it's been redefined by the lowering of the bar, the low, every time they get ready to lower a bar, they redefine a standard, a norm, and a rule. Yes, that's true. And that's what true. they do is they overhumanize it and they deprofessionalize it. That is why everybody goes to work and play clothes and, and, and whatever, 
and, and they do all of that. And, they, and their thing is to prove that I can do my talent in, in my pajamas. Yeah, you can, but you cannot, you don't have the, the instinct and the motivation for wisdom or maturity right. because you are, when you, look, you put on your clothes to be relaxed, so if you're meant to be relaxed, then you don't expect to be on guard. And so, and, but when God gets ready to use you, he really does change you in decades. Like, the, from the first decade, you have the awareness and, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, awakening, awareness, which we talk about in our assessments. Then the second decade, you have learning and, and, and training and, and, and moving into the apprenticeship that will release you to professionality. Readiness. So he does that. When you look at the people, and I will keep saying it, if you look at all of the people that God used that endured, the ones that God chose. Now, I'm not talking about the national succession or ascension of a monarch. Your daddy died, you 12, you 5, you know, and everybody says you're king, but you're just king in name only because the entire cabinet is ruling them around. You're not saying anything. You know, you're still trying to get through your marbles and your blocks. Now, granted, there is that brilliance and, you know, and all of that that comes from being born of the right seed. You know, I never thought that was important until, as a matter of fact, we did a lot of talking us out of it, you know. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, just because it doesn't show up in the parents you have doesn't mean it's not in the line. Oh, the recessive genes. See, we always think of recessive genes negatively, but you can have recessive genius. That's how you have a family with six kids. All of them can barely get seeds, and you get this one that's just blowing it out the water. Right. And the DNA is correct. Uh-huh. It's blood. This kid is bored with everybody. And so, but God will always test you in stages like we do everything we make. He tests you, and God tests you by, he tests you by stressing you. The first thing God is going to put you through is a stress test. Where you bend? What will make you bow? How will you end up affair under the pressures of the public, and not just public approval? Okay. We got audio stuff, and I'm just pouring out my little song. <laughs> Pausing for tech. You know. Tech, yeah, well, that's all right. I'll do something very intelligent and important. I'll get a sip of um, mm, I have a sip of coffee, and I have this wonderful woman to see, so I get these great green green drinks. Fantastic. And they get they keep my life going. Yeah. So, are we working yet? Yeah, because it's down to pennies. It's like really now. That's all right, guys. We're we're moving into our building and we're getting totally rewired. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're gonna be as fast as the, sitting outside the computer store in the mall. You ever notice you want to get something uploaded real quick? Go to the mall. Yes. Oh yeah. Go to the Microsoft or the yes. Apple thing. Yes. Just sit outside. Right Just sit outside. We're about to be in fiber optic. Baby, you got like five gigs. In a second, blink, done. At home, you got to go clean the kitchen, cook okay. supper, go they, to the store. They can hear. Yes, you can hear it? Yay. Okay. Well, it was wonderful pearls, but the camera has Okay, pearls. God first tests you by stress. Oh. <laughs> That's where she was leaving off. But truly, God starts with stress. 
And if you want to know how God tests you, review Jesus' parable of the soil, the seed, the sower, and the word. And he tells you where you're tested at every turn. And he starts out with the enthusiast. Yay, this is God. I love it. I just know this is the Lord. Oh, my God. This is wonderful. And that's when you begin to make those uh, flaky, quaky vows. This is it. I'm never going. God told me. I know for sure. And he said, but the seed, you're so busy bubbling over, your seed is not taking root. The word is not taking root. And he says, these are your wayside folk, you know. These are the people that, you know, just spray out and, you know, find me that. Um, Angela, find me that so I can read it. I don't want to just get it wrong since God wants wants us to understand how he's testing. And, and, and one of the things that God is looking for in your early testing is how honest you are with yourself. He's looking for solical honesty, emotional honesty. We push, huh? Okay, thank you. But I, I thought it, but I was going to second-guess myself. And so the reason that I bring that up is because we look at this parable, Matthew 13, it's a very powerful, powerful parable, but we look at it as, because you know, everything is, you know, glass half full. But mm. see, Jesus is looking to see where the glass is half empty. Because, mm. you know, if he needs a full glass, a half full one's not going to get him where he wants to go. How about that? And it's going to run out at a critical moment and a critical point in time. Okay. Now, you know, that, we, have, we have to know our God. So here we are. You said Matthew 13. Uh-huh. Okay. okay, I appreciate the audience. <laughs> Thank God for the audience. Read. <laughs> okay. And so, and it says, um, but I'll start at the beginning. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude, multitude stood on the, we can't even get off of the same praise and worship. These people stood on, they stood on the shore. That's sand. That's not a rubber floor. All right? Because a lot of churches, they got the rubber floor, so you will stand. You still don't want to stand. So anyhow, and it says, and he spoke many things unto them in parables and saying, now this is one of my favorite ones because this is a tester. Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell but some fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up, meaning birds, flying creatures, or spirits. Birds are likened to spirits. All right? Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they strung up because they had no depth of earth. Shallow. Shallow ground. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Mm. So rootless, meaning if you had sprouts, but that's all you had was sprouts. And then some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. And the, and the thorns are diversions and distractions. And some fell but others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. 
who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came. That means the people were up close and personal. So you don't have to be ignorant if you're up close and personal. But the people up close and personal said, oh, I'm, I can go to the restaurant after dinner, and we could talk. We could sit and have coffee, church, mm-hmm. and we can talk about the message, and we can break the seal on it so that we can find out how it is. Because that's who the disciples are. Those are the followers, the up close and personal ones. He trusts to be in the inner circle. See, because this here church today doesn't understand the value of that. So, and the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? He said, so why do you use parables? Why, why don't you just be plain? And he answered and said unto them, because it is given to you. You're in the inner circle because you have a special call. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it is not given. For whoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that which he has. He said, therefore, or that is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. Hmm. Now, and when you get older, see, you read this in the beginning, it's like, Jesus, what in the world? And you say, Lord, Father, God. <laughs> and then you grow. And you begin to understand that the parable is using an obvious example to convey to you a not obvious or unobvious reality. In other words, it's, called, it's given to make your mind open up to what was previously too hard for it to fathom. Wow. So, he, I mean, he's talking to multitudes. You know, when you went to college, you had those um, college classes, the, the lecture hall. Did they care if you got it or not? No. We gave it. Okay. And in larger universities, it could be thousands. And they don't care. Get it if you want to. Stay awake, fall asleep, drop in, drop out. They don't care because their obligation is to give it. But when they shrink the class and they shrink the circle. Come on. Come on. Oh, somebody going to understand this. See, the shrink the circle or the class, that's when you know that they're doing something. And Jesus is giving us a lot of, of information here. What is he saying? He's saying, number one, you are up close and personal with me enough to ask me questions about what I say. I don't really care to answer those questions from the masses or the multitude. But I chose you to know what they can't discover on their own. So he said, I get to get, and to know mysteries, not the obvious, not the doctrine, mysteries. He said, that's a gift. And I'm saying to you all who are out there with your mentors and your pastors and your leaders, if they let you in their inner office, you need to bless that. You need to understand that God put something on you and in you that entitled you to get more than the surface message everyone else gets. God didn't want you to just get communication. He wanted you to get impartation. And so, you know, like, uh, and I've been having it. You know, I do my broadcast every week, and I can tell who gets impartation versus who gets communication. Because impartation comes from the environment. Can you talk about the difference between the two? Communication is sound or sight. You can either read it or hear it. Those people on the outside got communication. You all are sitting here and you are feeling the spirit move, aren't you? 
That's impartation. And so you get people saying, well, I could just get it off the Internet. Well, if, you just, if you're just there to get communication, God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you. And there's nothing wrong with that. So you can remember, recall, and regurgitate. But one thing you cannot do is ingest and incubate. Because that, God said his word is not in word only, but in power. And you get the power. If you're home and you say, I can't get there, that's one thing. Although I tell you the truth, I've never known God to not bless somebody who, who blessed, who pressed their way. I've watched people I didn't even know pressed their way. Give them so-and-so. Tell them this. Why? Because God wants you to not be so casual with him mm-hmm. that you think you got it all. And so he said to them, I like this about Jesus. He said, so, um, so what you got? Now, here's the principle. When you think you got it all and you don't need any more, what does he say? Then that, and you, you, distance will stop the stream and stop the flow. And that distance doesn't have to be physical. It can be emotional. It can be psychological. And as God is saying to me right now, Jesus said, it could be sheer arrogance. Arrogance will stop your flow. It will end your flow. How does somebody know if they're arrogant? Because I think we have a certain, uh, I think we have a certain set of attributes or things that we have that are very ostentatious and mm-hmm. whatever to determine arrogance. But how would somebody actually know if that's their problem? Well, the first thing I think happened. Um, the first thing was what you said when you started saying, uh, you know, I got this. Mm. I don't need this. Like when you are a mentor like me, you watch when people drop off in their, in their attendance and appearance. You watch that because they no longer press, and they no longer press because they think they got it. And these are the people who always stumble into trouble. I've never seen it fail. Mm. They always have some sort of calamity, something brewing under the surface. And that has, that has nothing to do with their, anything they do or don't do. It has to do with them being out of the stream that God would use to cover, protect, and forewarn them. So... But the word arrogance, let's start with that. And you might like this. I like the online etymology dictionary. And so just so you all know where I got it from, a manifest feeling of superiority of one's worth or importance combined with contempt of others. People mean nothing. There's callous. What what others need or want or even how they feel about you. You feel like their honest critique of you is from envy. And jealousy, not from objectivity. They don't. They can't be right. Okay. And it also means a presumptive pride that brews or fosters haughtiness, assuming overbearing insolence to claim for oneself or assume. And and so the whole idea is that you you think or that they say figurative use meaning stretch out your hand to move in a straight line, meaning you, you create your own parameters mm. and you operate on your parameters. And one thing that will, will push you into arrogance, you should know, is a feeling of insignificance because you have mapped out a, a response or reward that is not conducive or correlating to what you're actually doing. So you want your intent to be translated as, Conquest. Wow. Look, I look, I did it, and I'm good at what. If you're good, then they're better fruit of good. When you're really good, you don't have to tell people that. They, they just they don't know. Yeah. And so, 
when I say this, you know, when we talk about um, arrogance, it is important that you recognize that the arrogant will always think they're too good for, they're better than. They don't have to follow the rules, and if they follow them, they can fudge them, they can shift them, they can act as they can take advantage of intimate relationships. And nepotism is a big breeding ground for arrogance because family are always going to be the ones that's going to breach the boundaries and snub their nose at your rules and at your standards and guidelines. That's all, and they're always going to be, what they do is too, is fit. I'm just too busy. Mm. Let the little people do it. I'm too busy. I'm, I'm sorry. I got a lot on my plate. Like, did you go and walk down everybody's buffet? Because no, everybody's not complaining like you are, and everybody's not boasting like you are. So you just assume that you are doing more because you say it more. Woo! Oh, sorry. One more time. For the people in the back. She said for the who? For the people in the back. You know, and so, and I say that because, you know, when a person has to keep telling you how busy they are, they're probably not busy. They're just, they're just disorganized. Oh, wow. And, they, and they're poor priorities. Prior, they just are poor, organized. They're poorly, um, um, what do you call it, what do you call, arranged. They don't arrange their schedule, and they drag things out, and they allow a lot of intrusions to eat up their time. And so, so it, now, funny thing, it, you know, doing a project, project and intrusions are kind of like, it's kind of like the Internet. You think you click four pages. And, it's and you are 24, 34 pages away from where you began. Yeah. That's how, and you don't remember clicking those pages because they were so intrusive and invasive and distracting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what... That's how people who are poorly arranged in their schedule, they don't remember the intrusions. They don't remember the distractions. They don't remember that drifting off, okay? And if you work from home, you better be good because, honey, good is a lot of Internet pages. You got to get up and go to the bathroom. You got to go look out the window. Now, you can eat three square meals a day in the office. Yes, but you got to eat 12 at home. People have to tell you to take a lunch break. Exactly, exactly. And you have to remember you have work to do at home. And, and then also you you don't plan. Because you're home, you feel like it's all under your control. And since it's all under my control, then it's on my terms. And if it's all on my terms, then I can deliver as long as I get it by the end of the day. You don't make yourself do an eight-hour day. You don't discipline yourself like that. You don't do an eight-hour day because you know you can stretch it out to a 16-hour day with three naps. (laughs) I can give me three good naps in here. Three good naps, okay? And then talk about... And talk about and no and leave the computer on and and have things happening so it looks like you're working, okay? Okay, put something that takes nine hours to download. <laughs> and you can't do anything you can't while it's downloading. Download it. Everybody understands that. <laughs> but you know, do a house project. Uh huh. Okay, then you go and you going on the porch, and then of course you got to call the fam, you know, because oh, and, and all your relatives call. Yes. When you have a, a project like that, yes. and you are so glad to hear that, well, I mean, I can get back to this. And the whole, the whole deception is the truth. The whole, the whole deception is that because it's on your time, yes. 
and your schedule is on your turn. And you don't realize how you become slothful. It takes you three times as long to do one-third thing. See, I know good and well all of this here home office stuff is really very much about sloth, and it's about diminished productivity. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. And so when you think about, um, when you think about people's attitudes and why they do what they do, a mentor, well, I don't care what you say. I don't care if you're my firstborn, my lastborn, my 16th born, spirit, soul, body. I don't care if you married in, ran in, got picked up on the side of the road. I don't care if you're a Klingon from space. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not, mm-mm. Because if you, if you plan to do what your mentor is doing, you're with your mentor all the time. Ah. And if you plan to just siphon, then you come when you think you need something. I know you're having fun today. Because when you really want something or you really have a future and a hope packed onto it, mm-hmm. you want to make sure you miss nothing. Remember when you first got saved? You miss nothing. I wanted everything God had to give me. I did. And then you got to meet the saints that said, oh, yeah, but you don't have to do all of that, and you can get that, and then you could just take a taste, and you could just do that. Just like, you know, and you never, we always, we have a rule in our ministry that people you all don't know, the people who don't stay always miss the moves of God. It's true. I have, we have been at this thing, I've been at this 38 years. I've seen them. They are always absent when God is moving. Always absent. And they're like, well, nobody told me. Well, you, uh, clearly, you're not talking to Jesus. He would have told you. He would have said, don't miss the date now. Make sure you're there on time. Because I've had him do that. God, I'm not going to do so. Yeah, you need to do that. The fact that God is not even alerting you any longer mm. is a bad sign. Because in the beginning, he, he, in the beginning, he, he invited. And then, well, he went from encouraging to inviting, from inviting to urging, from urging to alerting. When he stops alerting, he has pretty much considered you a neutral member of the body. Wow. See, people, y'all got all of this stuff preached to you. You don't need to be in church, and you don't need to do that. Where are you today? Because the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together with the saints. And you want to come to church because you think it's the ER. <laughs> crisis. Okay, I got to go get the ER. I got to get something braced, reset, traction, stitched up. And then you come in and got the nerve to get arrogant because the ministers don't think it's important that you can't all beat down. Can you speak on this? Okay. Because you, you want to get mad about it. And you know what I do? I'm going to tell you right now so y'all, my sheep that's listening, when y'all do that enough, I don't, I let the newbies and the up and coming tend to you. <laughs> Amen. Who's taking this minister out for a test drive? Go ahead. That's it. <laughs> hey, no, no, this is your practicum. Yeah, yeah. No, no, this is your practicum right here. Fix that. It's just the minister standing And they will fuss and stand in line, and I just move on. Hey, handle that. Because the best deserves the best. And you say the best for the best. Mm. And, if you, if, and if, if I'm already knowing that, I'm indif- that you're indifferent about me and I'm indifferent to you, then I'm not going to make a difference in your life. Come on. I'm going to pray for you as a member of the flock. Shed it, blah, 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 blah. All the members of the congregation. <laughs> but I don't. And, and, and this is not about forgiving or holding or grudging. This is about 
what he said, 30, 60, 100 fold. You want to act like a 30 fold saint, I'm going to give you the 30 fold learner. Wow. Because you, you haven't proven that you, you deserve the 100 fold. Can I say that? Yeah, say it, sir. I got a bell. And a show. And a show. And a mic. See, the whole idea that, you, you know, all these pastors, well, you know, I just want them to know, and they can't help it. You help it six days a week. You help it for work. You help it for the mall. You help it for granny. You help it for mom, dad, husband, in-laws, relatives. You can't stand. You help it for the shopping trip, holidays. You find a lot of ways to rise to the occasion. And you're going to rise to the occasion here because I'm not making baby saints. See, the whole idea is I'm not making baby saints. At some point, you have to tell the kid, get up and walk. You can carry them on your hip for so long, but after a while, they get bigger than the hip. <laughs> <laughs> they get to you, and, that, and you, you don't even know why you got this lean bend, you know, <laughs> carrying that big old child. <laughs> and at some point, they have to come to the table. You're not going to keep taking food to them. And the only reason you keep taking food to them is they're sick. They can't get to it themselves. So, no, we made baby saints, and now we're mad because they're baby saints. These people will fight wars. They're going to go to PTA. They're going to go to the soccer game. They're going to go to the basketball game, football game. That's right. And you're going, what? No, no, no. I, you may not think much of what I do, but I think I am a high-ticket item, and I deserve the best God wants to get. Yeah. Isn't that nice? I've been in, have you guys seen even and when we're on the road? Oh, yeah. I know that's God because God will make me walk away from people. That you don't know. I don't know him. I've never been in that church before, and he'll make me walk away and let somebody else minister to him because he thinks he's great too. And the leader will tell you later. Don't say tell. That person. Yeah, I know. I know he why he told you fit. to do that. He just gave me a fit. Mm-hmm. He told us off, and ain't that bad? Mm-hmm. They just took a bunch of people, and now. Mm-mm. Let me tell you, and if you're one of those folks who took a lot of people from God, rest assured you won't get his best for a long time. So moving on. And so um, Matthew 13, 13 is very powerful. He said, therefore, the word therefore, can the stand-in for that could be this is why. Here is the reason. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they see not. They, they can look you in the face and don't see who you are. Don't see God's hand on you. Don't see God's glory. They can sit down there. They can hear you, hear you preach and still don't get who you are. And he said, why? He said, because they lack understanding. There's a veil on the heart, and there's a veil on the mind. And so, and in them is filled the prophecy by, of Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, which saith, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. And people like, I see, like folks think they see Christians. Because you see folk in church, people with Bibles and folk praying, you think you see a Christian. And Jesus said, that's not one of mine. I don't know who they're praying to. <laughs> okay? I don't even know what's in that Bible. One time we were in church, and this young girl came in every week with a Bible, and she was crazy. You can almost tell people who are in their cult because they're always fidgety, itchy, and carrying on, or either they're so cold and detached, you almost want to call them a block of ice. And so and she came in. And so she was decided to grandstand on me. Now I have to admit, I don't think I was here for that. You were. Yeah, I we were in the in the hotel. hotel. Yeah. And so and I was trying, <laughs> and she the girl rose up. I had to remit. I forgot that I was a pastor. Because in that moment, you were not. No. 
Mm-mm. I was still a lot younger. I'm older and mellow. I've mellowed with age. <laughs> okay. I'm not, yeah, this is mellow. Trust me. This is fame yes. and mellow. Yes. This is the Holy Ghost version of me. And so she was sitting in there, and she began to yell, and she began to quote scripture wrong. And I looked at her Bible, and God said, snatch that book. I snatched that Bible, and it wasn't a Bible. The only thing about it was the cover. She had put the cover on it, and it was a book of witches' curses. Wow. I said, will you get that? That's not a Bible. Who are you to take my stuff? A girl? <laughs> I was like, interesting church. Yeah, yeah she was brand new. We try, you know, we ran through her, and we threw her in all of our bad sides. <laughs> <laughs> See if she was going to say. I said, ah. so you understand that it, it behooves you to look at folks' Bible now and again. And so he's saying, God, God leaves the blinders, and he again, you hear, you get the communication, but he he literally blocks the stream that would give you impartation. All right, and he said, for this people's heart is waxed, gross, or gone hard, gotten old, and their ears are dull of hearing. In other words, they've heard so much rabbinical teaching and rabbi, Levi stuff, they're bored. And their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted. See, we keep forgetting conversion is God's goal. Mm-hmm. Conversion. You know, we think that they're getting you to sit in church and getting your tithes and offerings. You do all of that because you're converted. And I should heal them. And look at this. And, and should be converted, and I should heal them. In other words, God heals to convert, and he heals you when you're converted. So then he said, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your, and your ears, for they hear. Blessed. Now, eyes and ears, he's not talking about your physical organs. He's talking about your solical self. Hmm. We'll talk about that in a minute. He said, but verily I say unto you that many prophets, look at that, many prophets. You notice God always starts with a prophet. Many prophets. Many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Now listen to this. Verse 19. Y'all lean in and get your books. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom. Anybody hear what I said? The word of the, word the, of kingdom. the kingdom. Didn't even say gospel. The gospel is of the kingdom. Woo. So when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the king's realm, and understands it not or doesn't understand it, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. What, Lord, Satan got access to my heart? Mm. Unconverted. That's why you have to get a new heart. Because he has access to your old heart. Ah, come on now. That's why a lot of y'all went to the altar, said the sinner's prayer, and you never got a new heart, never got a new spirit, and the Holy Ghost never came within. He's still circling. You're trying to get a landing. He said, this is, he, so to see the birds, I told you, birds are like in the spirit. So he said, this is which he which receives seed by the wayside. So those are the people that come in, they, they hear it, they hear God because they're in the atmosphere, the environment where God has opened the channel 
for his voice to be heard corporately. Mm-hmm. So they hear him. They see God. They, they see that God is, some, like God is using you. But when they leave, they are unaffected by evil. So when they leave, anybody say when they leave? When they leave. When they leave, guess what they leave behind? What they saw and what they heard. Wayside. Wow. And they left it in Satan's library because he took it out of their heart. Wow. Wow. Is this okay to preach this? This is the scripture. Uh-huh. Why? Well, because I think this explains why when, um, depending on who, but when people leave from whatever the assignment is, like they don't remember Mm-mm. or can't do. And to me, it's like when you uninstall a program, yeah. it really just uninstalls oh, everything and winds you back, your system back to what it was mm-hmm. before that installation. And they and they walk away and they don't remember. And they, I mean, and when they came, they were convinced, they were sure because they were open to the world. But something happened to close their hearts and minds to what they heard. And we're gonna find out what that is in a moment. See, this is apostleship scripture. I understand that now. You know, Satan's apostle teaches Satan's Bible. <laughs> And Jesus' apostles teaches it. Thank you. And so, so these are the wayside, wayside saints. Those are people that just passed on by, came in, and all of a sudden they realize, wow, this is great. Wait. So why did why, why did he get it? What gave them him the uh, impression that he can do it? But he that receives seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and right away receive it with joy. So it gets it, it, the other is in the heart, on the heart. And in the old heart, because if when the word works, you, you get born again. And it said, but these people right away, they receive with joy. That's, these are the folks that go tell everybody, call up everybody, you got to come. This woman is of God. This man is of God. This, these are the people. See, y'all know it. Y'all, y'all, we all know them people, don't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, Norma's story is so hilarious that her, one of her school friends brought her and left. I said, you went to daycare and they never came out <laughs> <laughs> and that, that that sister tried to tear down everything while she was here. But 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 in the beginning, it was like they can't do enough, they can't give enough, they can't serve enough, they can't whatever enough, because they are full of the joy. The words joy hit them. So, But the problem is they need that joy to stay with it, and they won't stay in the joy of the Lord because you can't do that without staying in this word. Eventually, they begin to drift away, begin, you know, becoming, in the beginning, they miss nothing, and eventually, they start missing everything. Wow. And he said, look at this, and yet he, he, um, he does not have root in himself, but endures for a while. Here's what happens. When tribulation or persecutions arise because of the word, by and by, they're offended. People will always tell you they're offended when they are ready to run from the truth. Because the word is starting to root. When that root starts digging down, it's hurtful. When you see offended, go to Matthew 13, because that's who you're talking to. Wow. Somebody didn't catch that. He said, because blessed is he who is not offended in me. So offense is to steal your blessing. 
Did anybody like that? Yeah, Is that I feel good? Like we need to say love. I gotta say love. Did you like that? Hallelujah. So, look at what he said. Tribulation. Tribulation is just like a whole program of trouble. Trial-based trouble. Trouble to make up your trial. Okay? So, all the tribulations come, try, T-R-I, trial. So, it's to try your faith. Everything, every time God gets ready to promote you, he will put you through a test. Because you have to, I'm telling you, you can't get the blessing until you prove that you can keep it through the testing. Because Satan is always looking, he's, he's, his recovery plan never stops. He's always looking to get back what Jesus has won back, always. So here you go, and you look, look at how many people walking around talking about I was offended, and all the pastors are like, oh, I'm so sorry. About you know, oh, I'm not, uh-uh, I'm not. I didn't offend you. You know why? Because I have been crucified with Christ. That man has crushed me. Now, I'm sorry. Your last pastor was a little weak. Your last prophet couldn't cut it. I'm sorry, but I'm not taking that medicine. Come on. When people, when people say to me, well, you know, I just hope you say I don't need you. to so, Hold on. I've been at this thing for 38 years. Where were you for the last 38 years? Because my record is straight, and I'm not taking somebody else's medicine. You know? I'm... Here, baby. Here you go. Oh, my gosh. Here you go. So, and, so, and so they try, and see, if you don't know that you've been through, like Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh. He said, you going to tell me about your offense? Let me tell you about being offended. He said, three times I was beaten with stripes, 39. I was left in the sea, shipwrecked. I have been stoned. I have been, you have suffered nothing for Jesus Christ. Don't talk to me about your little offense. Come on. You don't have a mark in your body for him. You ever notice that the people who have no fruit that's always got so much mouth? <laughs> and they and, and because you know pastors, you know they, pastors are loving people. You know apostles are not quite all of that. <laughs> Any of that? Now some. Some of that? Yeah. But I don't let a novice and a neophyte critique me. I don't do. I don't even listen to you because you're a novice. You got no fruit. Let's talk fruit to fruit. Let's talk problem to problem. Let's talk people to people. Let's talk trial to trial. Let's talk about this because already you 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 offended on this here little thing and you gone. This little thing. How in the world are you gonna stand talking about? I got a calling. Yeah, you got a call to grow. Come on. Yeah. And a call to stand. That's our call. The first test we gotta have is the one that says stand, having stood. Therefore, withstand. Stand, stand, withstand. Stand, stand, withstand. Stand, stand, withstand. Stand, stand, withstand. We think because we stood once, we done stood. The Holy Ghost, Jesus says over and over again, but when you endure, he who endures to the end, he endures to the end, to the end, to the end. Here, you bowing out at the beginning. You're the second person of the the parable. First person, wayside. You in stony ground, heart too hard. What is stony? Rocked. You're hard-hearted. You're too hard-hearted to even know where Jesus is. He can't even talk to you because your heart is too hard. His word can't. He's a, what is it? And listen to it because, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. In part. In part. In 
because the new birth requires your stony heart to be replaced. Uh, it says he will take the heart of stone out and give you a heart of flesh that you would be able to hear, tolerate his word, do them, and let his spirit lead you by them. See, Stoney, the scripture keeps talking to itself. It's like a perfect math. Keeps talking to itself. He said the stony places, and where the stony place, your stony heart, your, your stony mind. Some people are too brainiac to be, listen to God. So when it's, and, but, but look at it. So, so they're so glad that something just kind of grazed the heart. Oh. You know, so these are the people where it just grazed the heart. And they're excited about that because God's word is perfect and it's potent and it's the fruit of the spirit. And so he says here, but, and, and so the, I'm in. These are the people standing up in church. I vow I'm never leaving. I promise you God sent me. I promise. I just know. Damn. Stony heart. Brother, sister, Stoney. <laughs> and then the first time you have, they have to receive instruction, receive correction. You tell them what they can and cannot do because I don't know where they thought they. I don't know where they thought they went. I don't know how they thought they went. Thank you. We just having tech stuff today. Isn't it wonderful? Hook that on my blouse. There you go. See, twenty-one years, please. Twenty-one years. And so. But these are people you can't instruct, you can't correct, you can't mentor, because they didn't come to you for that. They came to you for a joy that they defined. They didn't come for the joy of the Lord. They came for a joy that they defined. So when they feel like they got what they need, they out. And, and you can see that it's a shallow joy because in the end they leave by offense. Hiya. So you know, so they really wanted, they just needed a little spiritual high. They didn't need all of that stuff. And, and yet God, and he said, you you know, for when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, if you want, he said, those who desire to live holy in this world, thank you, will suffer persecution. Because Christianity is not for cowards. That's what makes us the greatest. Because it's not for cowards, which means we can take persecution. We can take the hip. Come on. We, we got a whole martyrdom museum. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, we do. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. Now, here's how this goes. And he becomes unfruitful. Now, these are the people who, I'm sorry, I got bills to pay. I ain't doing nothing for nothing. You're going to pay me. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Now, Psalm 114 said that Jesus' um, servants are going to be volunteers. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's 110.4. Forgive me. Psalm 110.4, and his servants shall be volunteers. So everybody keeps wanting to acting like they're doing God such a big favor, and he figures he can do that since he saved your soul. He wow. feels he can do that because you can't really pay him for the redemption that he just got. You can't pay him for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You cannot pay him for saving your kids. 
You can't pay him for saving your house. You can't pay him for the car that he let get collide into the wall while he was moving you. You can't pay him for all that he's done. He's like, if you were really thankful, the last thing you would want to do is withhold anything from me. If you were really thankful. The world got whole institutions based on volunteerism. Yes, they do. And the church gets criticized. And those people are volunteering on an ideology, Mm -hmm. a philosophy, just because they believe in humanity. And you don't believe in the almightiness of the God that passed you from death to life. You on your deathbed. Are you kidding? If God raised you up from the dead, took cancer out of your being, baby, you ought to open the church doors. You ought to close the church door. And then you ought to be standing on the street saying, Lord, what else can I do? My God. My God. Somebody going to hear me. My God. So he says to him, so the cares of this world, all of a sudden, the whole problem has to do with you being caught up in what the world says. Well, my family doesn't like it. My mama doesn't like it. My daddy doesn't like it. And let me tell you something. Those are the people that I really can say, I feel sorry for you. And I'll tell you why I feel sorry for you. Because, see, they're for clay. And when they fail, you're going to come to the same God you mistreated and neglected to, to keep your mama, to raise your mom. Lord, don't let my mother die. He said, why not? See, God just doesn't speak it. He just goes on and acts it out. He's the act out. I'm just going to act it out and leave you to struggle with whatever peace you can have. You're talking about, and here you come, Lord, I haven't been in church for 16 years, but Lord, please. 16 years. 16 years. And so God is like, and, and, and then you come, don't even think you have to t- bring a gift. Don't bring a gift. Don't bring tithes. Don't bring offering. Don't bring reparations. Don't bring anything. I'm messing with you, Anna. In every good way. Yes. Just a good way. I'm like, you literally come tell him he's got to heal a mama who didn't serve him. Mm. Or a mama who also stopped her mantle. A lot of times you don't realize people got, let me tell you a secret. This is a secret. Come on, tell it. This is the one. God doesn't tell you verbally what he's doing, but his whole word will tell you. He said, when they call, I'm not answering because when I called, they didn't answer. So you need to, I mean, you want to go, let's go down this little little tip sheet, okay? Because they chose that in which I do not delight. Because they chose new gods. That's why war was in the gates. You understand, you choose a new god, all of them gods are coming for their territory. Because that choice becomes a promise, becomes a covenant. Because they ignored my laws and wouldn't walk in my statutes. Because they would not learn my judgments to do them. Well, Dr. Price, I know people who did all of that, do you? You know when you've seen them do it. But do you know if they did it all the time? You cannot argue with God. You cannot argue with him about a person going home and say to him, this is a good person. How are you going to tell he who invented good wow. who was good? He who invented good. God invented good, and then has to define its attributes to us. This is good. Yeah, come on. This is evil. See? Mm-hmm. How are you going to stand in his face and say, well, I just know that my mama was good. Your mama may have been wonderful to you and horrible to God. 
<laughs> your brother may have preached the gospel up the front and down the back, and then every night went there and had a whole whopping at Hayward Harlots. You don't know that. You can't put your, your integrity and your veracity on the line as if you know what people do 24-7. You don't know. You have no idea, and you don't know what they've done others. You don't know if so-and-so raped kids. You don't know what they did in college. You don't know if they beat up somebody and they died. And what You don't know their life. So why are you standing on the witness stand of their life? The, the witness stand. I mean, you're rolling it out today. <laughs> oh, Lord. Deliver us from evil. <laughs> Just because people are penitent does not mean that they have been perpetually innocent. Because penitence is no statement of innocence. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. Where are we today? In church. <laughs> Actually, you're at the throne. You know, we like to talk about the judgment seat of Christ, the court of heaven. The court of heaven doesn't think like us. Mm. See, because the court of heaven doesn't need our testimony. It needs our acknowledgement. Wow. It needs our repentance. It needs our conversion. It does not need our testimony. Because heaven doesn't need, what did he say? I, I, I don't need you to tell me. He said he did. Jesus did not need anybody to tell him what? What was in man. What was in humanity. Because he knew what was in man. Yes. He's like, because I am the life. I am the, the way, the truth, and life. I'm man's life. I'm how. So everything that happens in every being, second by second by nanosecond, God knows it. And I'm telling you, it is wonderful that he doesn't um, tell our business a lot. A lot. God knows. He knows exactly what you did. He, he knows all of that. He has to know it or he can't judge you because he can't judge you out of ignorance. He has to judge you out of knowledge. Wow. And so we can say to God, God, but you understand, and the deceitfulness of riches. Folk who are hot for riches will always have deceit. Wow. They can't help it. But the rules of riches and wealth require it, almost impose it on you. And so I'm looking at all of these young people starting churches, deceitfulness of riches. How are you going to help somebody get someplace you've never been? Mm. You're still trying to figure out yourself. And then you got your little, you know, you got your little babyland wife who's going to tell all of us <laughs> who raise grown children how to be a parent. Because when you're young, you're, I, what? <laughs> yeah, that, that part right there. That one. And you're going to tell all of us how to do something you just you just woke up to and you're still reading books about it. We, you read the books we wrote. We wrote those books. And yet you're celebrated for having done something that you've never been tried for, that you've never had to practice, and you're given a platform to spread your ignorance and your naivety as truth. I'm just going to go back to the Bible. And so these two things, cares, thorns, meaning cares, problems, concerns, debts, greed, lust, avarice, and we can go on. And the deceitful, he didn't even say riches. See, a lot of times people realize it because not all rich people are deceitful. 
they, they imposed that, that their principles that imposed on them, but many of them have stood and can stand for God. And God knows that as well. Now, verse 23, but he that received, now look at this. I want you to look at something. First one, uh, this is very important. Okay, it says, when anyone, the first one says, hears. I want you to look at this. Highlight these words in your passage. When anyone hears the word of God, okay? And he's, you know, so he's wayside. And then look at this one. It said, receive the seed into stony places. In other words, you receive the seed into your hard heart, okay? And you have no root. The next one said you receive seed among. Does anybody see what's happening here? He's talking about the various ways the word impacts, penetrates, and impacts and settles into our being. All of it is about our heart, what's in our heart. But he that receives seed into, does anybody see that? Into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit. Understanding God's word is how you bear fruit. Because if you don't understand it, then you're bearing questions. The fruit of the word in you is questions. So why did God... Were they really Nephilim? Did Jesus really die on the cross? Or was Mary Magdalene Jesus' girlfriend? I mean, all of these, that, that's the, the lack of understanding breeds dumb questions. And sometimes, no, and sometimes, I mean, they, sometimes you need to ask those questions. So we can get that out of the way, and we're going to answer you. But, but when you are receiving the word without understanding, you will not bear fruit. Well, I don't understand everything in the Bible. You don't need to understand everything in the Bible. You just need to understand everything the Holy Ghost has put in you. All right. If you can understand the Holy Ghost in you, which is not the same aspect, you know, of the Holy Ghost is in me. See, because the Holy Spirit in us is based on how he made us. So if you can understand that, God bless you. Move on. Have fun. But anyway, and it says, which also bears fruit. Now, look at this. Bears fruit and brings forth. I think that's so powerful. Bears fruit, fruit and brings forth a hundredfold, sixty, and some thirty. Mm. Now, when you look at it, he tells you the hundred, the hundred percenters, the hundred folders are those who understand the word of the kingdom. Not just the word of God, not just prophecy, the word of the kingdom. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does it, do we remember that's where we began? Okay. And so he's saying a hundredfold, 60 and some 30. So God is telling you how to bear fruit in the kingdom, the hundred percenter. And, and the hundred percenter seems to be a range because it seems to be like a 40-point spread or something. So it's a range in that hundredfold. That hundredfold, for you to understand how they did it, is taking a piece of paper and folding it 100 times. 100. Because that's what they did back then. Everything, when, when something was folded or enfolded or whatever, it was about that. So he's saying that they, and bear fruit, bring forth and bears fruit, 
a hundredfold. And what does it say? Because the seed found good ground. The word of God found good ground, and not everybody's ground is good enough to bear the fruit they want to bear. But those who are honest with themselves will say, you know what, God, I could do better. You know, God, I can fix this and I can fix that. You know, Lord, I really could, I didn't, I didn't give that my best. And the word of the kingdom is not just scripture text. It's literally the conversations and commandments of the king. Why call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? Isn't that powerful? That's powerful. I don't know about you, but that's powerful. And then, we, and so we'll go to another one. So here we are today. We're on the set. We do have a screen, don't we, Rachel? And today we're talking about this because all of this has to do with your soul. Your new, hear me, your new spirit comes into existence with a brand new heart and the Holy Spirit and a new spiritual mind or the mind of the spirit of God's world. So your mentality is changed because your heart is new. If you, I'm going to keep saying this because it's our job to make sure, make your election sure, to make sure you are saved, truly saved, and want to be saved and meant to be saved. Because some of you all went to meetings, you meant to be saved. It just didn't happen that way. Because they called you and they herded you to the altar and told you to repeat a prayer, mostly in the modern times, ignores repentance. And without repentance, there is no remission of sin. So that's scripture. Can I say that like that? Because we keep acting like just because you say that you said it, you meant it, and we treat you as saved. But but back then they didn't. They had to, you had to prove, you would say, first of all, by being there, learning, wanting to learn, being in Bible study, being in whatever, not I went to this thing and now it's on God. Are you kidding? It was on God before you went there. And he rolled it on over to you. So if you got saved by saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and make me your child, I'm not saying it didn't work because God still is a God of faith. But you understand that Jesus Christ has just told you the way hearts receive him. He told you about the heart that that can't understand and can't receive the word, can't even, it just sits on the ground. He told you about the stony heart where you're happy and, you, and it's all about a feeling. And then he told you about the thorny heart. Heart is all wrapped up in the things of this world. So if telling Jesus to come into your heart may or may not get the job done. Just may or may not. Because Ezekiel 36 says that you have to get a new heart. Jesus said you must be born again. And born again already presumes that you're going to get a new version of your old self. So you have to get a heart from the Holy Ghost. You've got to get the heart Jesus is carrying around in his being for you. So, Father God, I just thank you so much for putting your son on the cross. I thank you so much for saving me. I thank you, Lord, for choosing to pass me from death to life. 
And from the power of darkness to the power of Christ, the power of God. I repent. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And God, I repent of all my sins, even the things that I didn't think were sinful. I repent, acknowledging that in the flesh dwells no good thing. And that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, Father, I accept these truths. And I ask that you would take my heart of stone out and put the heart of flesh in. I'm asking that you would take the old Adamic spirit out of my being and replace it with the spirit of Christ, the new creation. And then, God, I'm asking that you would install in me a measure of your Holy Spirit to keep me and seal me unto the day of salvation. And I'm asking you to do this, Father God, by faith, according to your grace, because you are merciful to me and because you delight in mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you ask God to come in your heart in, in, in children's church and in, you know, youth group and, and, and camp, summer camp, you need to go back and ask God to give you the heart that you didn't get on that floor. Because God can't, he, he, he's not going to renovate the old heart. He has to replace it. Isn't that powerful? Did you like that about? See, we've told people to just all you do is just ask Jesus to come into your heart. He can't get in. If he could, we wouldn't have a stony place. He can't get in there. He's got to kill it. He cannot get into your when Jesus said, you know, God must really be ready to have a, a massive uh, salvation outpouring because he won't let me off of this. You know? But he said in conversion to grown-ups. I love this man. And so here we are. If Jesus said, now is the prince of this world cast out. And you, and you could tell here. Here's an example. You all want to hear an example of the first one? When they hear the word of the kingdom and understand that it not, then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. Now, so, so God put it in there, but it couldn't. Stay. It popped up to the surface. Now, those of us who planted our little plants, we know what that's like. You know, put that seed in there, and you didn't put it in deep enough, and that thing starts growing. The roots are on top of the dirt. Uh, like, yeah, you aren't, you aren't going to make it. <laughs> You're not. So he said, he said that the prince of this world or the god of this world is cast out. And so the unlearned tries to argue with the unsaved. By saying, it's just so. No, no, we don't have to argue. I promise you we don't have to argue because he wasn't talking about cast out of the planet. Because he got him work, he got Satan working all the way down to Revelation. So he got he got job security till we get to spirit and bride they come. At which point his days are over. And he works for Jesus. And so when he said now is the prince of this world or the God of this world cast out, he was saying cast out of humanity. God said by virtue of the cross and the grave and resurrection, Jesus Christ earned the right re-enter Adam's line as the last Adam. Wow. So cast out means he was cast out of humanity and he can now do something that had he had been prevented from doing by the Garden of Eden and the Edenic trans, uh, transgression, and that is breed himself in his creatures. 
I can now breed myself in Adam's seed. I can do that. I can kick Satan's seed out. And I can install my fathers and my seed within by the Holy Spirit. That's what cast out means. That thing is, is that good? That thing, that man, you know that, that man. So as we talk about it, so we're going to, you know, this is all about your soul. And, and, and I was just reading in, in uh, Acts. I want to read this to you. I'm having just such a great time catching up with the word. Somebody needs to have a show that catching up with the word. Because you know we need to catch up with it. You know that's right. What are you doing? We're catching up with the word, doing some catch up, because we don't remember what God wrote. And a lot of times your pastors, are, I mean all of us as leaders, we all just preach the part that he gives us on that day because he's dealing with a particular issue with the audience. So um, to me, we have to, it's on us to catch up because it is our soul because nobody's going to say, yeah, well, your pastor forgot to preach this parable. So you're off the hook. No, God is like, um, you should have read it. You should have read the parable because it was there for you to read. So in Acts, um, I love this. Peter, the big Pentecost comes. This is very powerful stuff, and I think we should catch up with the word. And so um, they call them drunk, and Peter stands up and preaches his first Pentecost sermon. Acts 2.22, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You know, at every step of the way, Jesus kept saying, you know, I'm letting you do this, right? You, you do understand that I'm allowing, I'm going, you're not arresting me, I'm going with you. And I'm letting you tie me up so it looks like it's nice and legal. <laughs> we need it to look nice and legal for the record whom God had raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David speaks concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also, my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption, meaning God didn't allow corruption to further damage Jesus' body. We, I mean, we never talk about the miracle of, of while he in the grave, God is, he did not decompose. At all, three days and three nights, rigor, all, nothing. All right. Thou has made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Meaning, I get to look back on your face. Men and men, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet, God tells, I'm telling you, when you read that thing, I said it's a shame that we so sloppily trained prophets and we so sloppily 
activate, quote, unquote, air quotes, okay? Air quotes, not even real. Not even, quote, unquote, air quotes. Activate prophets when uh, an office that is so powerful and so mightily essential to everything God does. Okay, we need to, okay, Anthony, you need to do something called prophetic essentials or prophet essentials because if we say prophetic, everybody's going to still be prophesying. All right, let's go on. Verse 30, therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus, God has raised up. We are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heaven, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, and Jesus used that parable to trip him up. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. For let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, I taught about last week about Jesus going to hell, and the devil had the nerve to write me on Facebook. I was like, I was wondering when that was coming out. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he, it's nice to know that he likes my sermon. Yeah. He, comes to he comes to my church. Checks out your messages. And, and then he writes me little stupid things on Facebook. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that something? You know, I mean, he obviously wants to learn what I'm saying because he has no work till we speak. So somebody, and, and you, you could tell it was a tiny little person. You ever notice that some people, when they write, it feels tiny and puny? It's kind of like a little tiny little puny thing. Explain it to us. Tell us. <laughs> It's just tiny little, there you go, thank you. Tiny little puny text that you are wrong. There is no such thing as hell. Jesus did not go to hell because hell does not exist. You are a false teacher because the Bible doesn't say it. I heard, oh, you, you poor little puny thing. They got that Bible cover. See, it's no, no scriptures. You know, you call that, I call that the scripturalist Bible cover. And so I looked at it and I said, oh, that's why I said, oh, you got your little, little, puny little dagger. A little dagger. It's only that thing, but a little sandwich one. Uh-uh, no hat pin. Not even a dagger. Just a little hat pin. But you know. It just goes a little sandwich. And I thought, and you could tell that that message wrecked this person's world. And you could feel it in the tone of what they wrote. And I thought, you wrote that. You didn't even bother me. I gave you all the scriptures you need. Acts chapter 2. Mm. Psalm 16. I, I gave you the scriptures. But 
isn't it wonderful to know this is all about the soul? So let's talk about that, okay? Ha-ha. We're going to talk and move this into the purpose of the soul. What is the purpose of the soul? Are you laughing at me, people? Yes. What are they saying? I love faith. I love my social. Hey, social media, I love y'all. Uh, no, Ashley Berry talking about they just do not know how to stay in their lane. Mm-mm. No, this was too puny to have a lane. This this might have might have had a good lily pad. Might have. Might might have had a good lily pad. No, uh, no, just little little lily pad. The purpose of the soul. Hebrews ten eleven says, "But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul." So this is Hebrews. This is Paul saying that we must believe to the saving of the soul, which means beyond the sinner's prayer and beyond the altar call. Is that right? We must believe to the saving of the soul. And then we have here understanding what causes us to fail and what makes for soul success. We have to know because we don't know. We, you know, because you can have physical success. We even, you know, we have adjectives. We have physical success, material success, professional success, ministerial success. But what if we could have a holistic success in the things of God? Every soul, as you look at all of those words of their motivation, objective, passion, person, purpose, drive, mission, all of those are tied to the soul's silent, secret, and yet potent makeup. These are all of the the attributes, all of the motivators, these are all of the elements that make a soul call itself alive. And here, the purpose of the soul. Again, Peter says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. You know, the world, you know, you have a lot of movies and whatnot. Why are we on the, on the planet? And, well, we, you, we don't know why we're here. And, and you know, and, and I, was, I was among those 40 years ago. Because, you know, that which is has already been, that which will be, will be again. It will repeat itself. So every generation has the same questions because every generation is born with the same spiritual backstory, the same law of sin and death, etc. You know, why are we here? I just don't understand why we're on the planet. And you know, and you and you wonder about, wow, we'd be stuck there. But your whole idea for us being here was to, to do God's will and to bring him glory. Adam decided to do Satan's will and to bring him glory. So now we're here to get out of the, the our, our ticket to hell and get into the eternal life or restoration, redemption, if you will, of Jesus Christ. Our number one purpose is to determine how healthily we will enter the afterlife Hmm. and how full and abundantly we will stand before God with what he originally needed us to conceive, to bear, to produce, and to pass on to him. Your life will be more valuable when you're gone if, if you leave God some 
something to work with. That's what all of these institutions are about and all of that. They're not for just for now. They're for the generations to come. I was telling, uh, talking to Norma the other, whenever, and I was watching the how they do the, air, you know, how they invented the airplanes. And it's a very interesting uh, documentary because these people started with just wings on their arms and just jumped off cliffs and died. Yes, they did. <laughs> and before they died, they said, but I believe in this enough to lay down my life for it. One guy, he built this wonderful thing. I've got to watch it again to give you all of the words, but you can also just go to Amazon Prime and just key it up, and it'll show up. Uh, the show, I think, was Breakthroughs That Changed the World. Ooh. And so they have a ton of them. And so we are sitting here. Please forgive us. We are in our new building, and as you can see, thank God. Up there. Thank God. All right. Well, I'll go on. And I don't like any of this. But anyway, the whole thing, he built these wings. I mean, he, he figured it out, you know, how to steer it with your hips and carry. He was wonderful. Wonderful. I was so excited. He forgot one thing. What goes up must come down. And how is that going to happen? And he came down with a bang. And I watched all of that, thinking it was not, it was, it was, okay. So they ended up deciding that from now on we're going to do plane testing in Kitty Hawk Desert, so at least we'll have a softer landing. And um, <laughs> he was, I mean, he was flying. Ah, he was doing it. But the point of bringing of all of this is simply this: that. People believe in what they are called to do. And when you believe in it, you give your all to it. They put their fortunes in it, their wealth, only because yes. they believe that man should fly. Uh, you know, they're the guy with the telescope. But they, they believe that their invention belongs to humanity and its posterity. So when we preach it, we preach it like this. Only what you do for Christ will last. Okay? Every man's work will be tried as if by fire. And to see, tried by fire to see if it can withstand the flames. Because in our world, everything, everything, everything is about the present that prepares humanity for its future. And I want to say prepares for supplies. Moving on, number five, just for us to see. Amen. So when you look at this here, and you get to see, I don't have any idea. Sorry, with new building tech tech, but we do have just what we do have. We have recording. We have a whole recording. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that one I that I got. Okay. So now we can look at and see what's involved in healing and, and working with our souls. 
it's important that we recognize what it is. Hold on. I got it. Oh, yeah. I got it. Yeah, isn't that funny? There we go. And there we are. Ah, I feel like I can work this. Hallelujah. These are all of these strips of paper actually tell you the work to begin to empower your soul. And they have a purpose, and the next slide will tell you. But the first thing is recognizing anybody who works with people's health, mental health, emotional health, and well-being will tell you step one is recognition. Is that right? Recognition. Well, you don't realize that when you drop RE, you got cognition. You need to have an ability to realize or to think about what you're doing. Your mind has to be programmed, trained, and upgraded for you to do that. Once you have recognition, then you got you, you move into acknowledgement. Yeah, I, I acknowledge I could have done that better. I acknowledge. Yeah, I think I okay. I acknowledge I am an addict. I acknowledge that I am phobic. I am whatever. Whatever your acknowledgement is. Some people, it, it doesn't make a difference because we all have something. I'm in the bit, middle of writing my uh, 3D book, too. And, um, yeah. See? Gotcha. She's so serious. And so, and so, but in that is acknowledgement. And even the word acknowledgement. So, you know, we've become so comfortable with the colloquialism of our terms that we don't realize acknowledgement. Right after AC is no and knowledge. You understand that it still is all about specifics, not sentiments, not abstract concepts. You know, how does that make you feel? Feel great. Good. So bring that into something that's repairable. Mm-hmm. In order for things to be repairable, they have to be concrete. They have to be definitive and definable. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, when your kid says, um, what, is wrong? what is wrong with you? I don't know. You're stuck. You don't know where to go. You have to now walk them through what they don't. No, for them to acknowledge what's going on. So that's the next thing. And then respect, you know, self-respect and respect of others. You know, the whole move of this particular era has been to deteriorate the foundation and pillar of respect. You don't respect elders. You don't respect your friends. You don't respect boundaries. You don't respect each other's property. But all of that is determined by your soul content and your soul substance, your decisions. You have told your soul nothing is worthy of respect. We talked about that coming in, into the show. And then God said something to me. When people can thank, then, and then they can move into gratitude. When they can have those two things working, they're on their way to healing. The hardness of heart is dissolving. I think we have not yet touched the depth of think. But think actually comes from thinking. Think, you know, I think what you did for me was good, or I think it was worthwhile. 
and we move up to honor, when you have respect and you, and you are grateful, you honor things. People don't honor things any longer. I mean, you're talking about people just, we're just going to come and just throw millions of dollars at you. Now, we're not going to build a company or hire you to work so we can give you a long-term salary. We're just going to give you this little thousand and this little million and, you know, hope life is good. Because everything is about taking away the dignity of humanity, the dignity of our country. Dignity is what's being eroded because it's such a broad, pervasive tone. And then, of course, we have appreciation and achievement. These are the steps. But next, when you look at this, you get to see how they affect your conduct, your honesty, and I would say veracity or integrity, your ethics, and your trust. People with poor conduct don't really win your trust, do they? No. You're like, oh, you can't even control yourself. You, 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 you like to misbehave. You love to break, break the rules. Rule breakers are fun to those who wish they had the courage to break the rules. Huh. They're not fun to the people who are trying to work within some sort of guideline to get the best out of society. It is, it is pathetic that the higher people go, the, the more they're prone to misconduct. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is so is because when their, their financial or economic position conditioned them to work within the lines because they were restricted. You were limited. You had limited funds. Limited funds mean limited access, limited acquisition, on and on and on. But when it got to the point that all of those external constraints were gone, it then came down to their personal inner government. And their inner government, how they behave, and their inner government that they settle on tell you what those hard times did or bred in their souls. It bred resentment. It bred anger. It bred arrogance. It bred obnoxiousness. But now, without the constraints, they can literally let loose to be who they always were because they now have the resource to release their ugliness. And they don't have, and they have enough money to not have to worry about penalty or consequences beyond physical backlash, car accident, house on fire, disease, something that happens to their person. But all of the other things, they, they can put the, all of these shields around so that they can misbehave all they want, and they do it as a retaliation against the years and the path and journey as well as the incident that paved the way for their wealth. You know, we talk, you know, you don't know who you are. Like they, and they tell you, you don't know who you are, who you really are, and how well-behaved or, or well-constrained or personally governed you are until you don't have to follow the rules. You can buy your way out of order. You can buy your way out of law. You can buy your way out of generosity, or you can use your generosity in a bribery kind of way because you don't think much of folks because life didn't treat you right while you were in the journey to becoming who you are. Now, many times in this whole thing, our goal has been that you would appreciate the puzzle called the soul. And we, you know, we've just tapped DNA coding in the body, but we know in our teaching 
the soul as the maker made it, the DNA is in your soul. And actually it's in your spirit, which is why it shows up in the blood and all of the other things. So because God has a DNA. If he didn't, he wouldn't make us get born again. Huh. Huh. Okay? So he has his own DNA and, 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 and. I know, isn't that nice? So when we think about now, when you think about it, so you, your soul is hardwired, and then your soul is also um, pliant, which means it, 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 there is a hardwired, you got, we, we read about it, the stoniness or whatever, but we also have that part of your soul that is adaptable, malleable. So it's hardwired and it's malleable, meaning that that's the part that, that makes the will so important. You have the will to change certain things about how you live as if not to change them, to restrain them. So if you look at your screen, it says designing, um, redesigning your soul to bring it under your control. And that's what this is all about. How does one bring it under your control? Because you see a vault, and in that vault is everything, which when we get to Soul Sunday, I will be reading it to you. But is everything happened to you from sperm and egg, and before sperm and egg, what happened to your daddy and your daddy, blah, 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 because things passed down the line, to the present. And the whole idea is that you recognize that everything pertaining to your physical and earthly existence is about your soul, which is why we got Genesis to Malachi. Hmm. All about the soul. Yeah. Very little about the spirit. All about the soul. But yet when we turn the page and we look at Jesus Christ from Jesus Christ, from Matthew to Revelation, it's mostly about the spirit and about our eternal stature and existence. Does this make sense? Yes. But what do you do with your soul pain? Your success is literally marginalized or it's hindered or hampered by your soul's pain. A lot of times, you know, people have great moments and, and you get depressed. Why? The great moment can mean any number of things, but you get depressed. Okay, and so here... 1 Corinthians 5, 5 is something God says something very interesting through Paul about the um, Corinthians. And we kind of, those of us who have been in God, we know it. And it says, um, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I can't even tell you. I'm surprised how many times God is saying, okay, Satan, you can have him. He gave me, he, he, so this is the guy who was sleeping. With stepmother. Well, that was common for pagans. Like it's common for pagans today. See, there's nothing new under the sun. That which is has already been. Well, it is common for pagans. And it's common for pagan stepmothers to promote it. Well, that's their their kids. But that's paganism. And so the, the Corinthians are coming out of that. They're like smack into it. You know, they're all tied up in the Oracle of Delphi and, and Pothine and Leviathan and, oh, they, they got it going on. And so, but Paul said something that, you know, you can't preach that, but they can't. I don't really care. I'm an apostle. Apostles will preach it. 
to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance by faith among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So you all think that it's okay. So he says, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they keep telling you, how many of y'all heard that God doesn't have anything like that, and this is just love, and a loving father wouldn't? No, your loving father wouldn't because he couldn't. Yeah. But the father of spirits and the father of souls can do anything he wants because there is. Not only are they his, but they are in him. Like God doesn't have to send somebody. He can just stop you. So, but deliver, what is it to be delivered to Satan? See, because many times you think he's going to show up like some sort of physical being and say, I'm here to get you. No, he's going to work his machine. And God, because you don't realize that the, the earth is the Lord's, but the devil still has his own population and his own realm and his own kingdom, the, the kingdom of darkness. So all of a sudden, you, when you are delivered unto Satan, that's a scary thought because God is taking you from the congregation of, right, of the righteous. He's literally doing the same thing spiritually that he did when he told them, put him outside the camp. You stay outside the camp, Miriam. Miriam, and God was so mad with Miriam. You, you got to be really dense and not hear his ire when he said that if her, if her father had spit in her face, would she not be unclean? What did he say? As if to say, I'm her father and I'm spitting in her face. So this man, and he's doing this because he has to get the poison out of the body, out of the congregation. And he, so he has to deliver him, but he has to do it in a way that the congregation sees the, 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 the deterioration, the corruption, and the damage that happens to this person. And letting him know he may sit in your midst, but he is not in your sphere. And so he turns him over, like he said to Peter. You know, I keep saying, we act like, you know, well, you know, the devil is all about the occult. No, no, no. The devil is God's servant. Trust me. Because, honey, if he wasn't God's servant, we wouldn't be old, corrupt, sick, and dying. He'd be doing what God does with his excellence, and he's not. So he's saying, I've got to make an example of this person. That's the first thing. Here's something else we should consider. The Lord is also saying, but he's also saying that the Apostle Paul over those that he's been given charge can render such sentences. And a sentence is different from a judgment. A judgment legalizes a sentence. And so Paul is saying, when, we, when you all get together again and I'm in with you with my, my spirit, I mean, we don't, you know, we have gotten so carnal, and, and, and Satan had to make y'all, you know, start wanting to hear the, 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 the humanist version, because I want you to know the messianic version, the Godhead version, is scary. Yeah. Paul said, so when y'all get together again, and I show up by my spirit, uh. 
Isn't that what he said? He said, and he did it more than once. He was like, I might be physically in jail, but I'll be in prayer tonight. 500 miles away, 40 miles away, I'm there. And you see, and God does that throughout Scripture. What did Elisha say to Gehazi? Did not my spirit go with you? He did. I was I, I, I was there. My spirit was he there. He did. <laughs> see, we that's what the whole dunamite thing is about, to bring that power. But see, that power is going to assault wickedness. It's going to assault sin. And if you don't want to do it, you understand that you need to step out the camp. Because that's what it was. And it's interesting because you don't hear all that the other apostles did. They didn't, you know, for whatever reason. I'm sure they did wonderful things. But but it was important for Paul to have all of these powers because he was dealing with the plethora of deities that the Gentiles were born to, not just converted to. They weren't converted to those devils. They were born to them. Okay. Who is that? I know that's going to be that after that. It's Tevin. Either this is why you don't play games in an apostle's church. No, no. Mm-mm. And, and, and many times, and because for you to have that trust, God has got to vet you, but then he restrains you himself. Paul said, for the abundance of the revelations that were given to me, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me lest I be lifted up above measure, above what I ought. So Paul, so Paul is saying this here is a literal uh, offense that is worthy of Satan's chastening. He said, um, Ananias, I mean, uh, excuse me, forgive me, God, uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, I have what? I've surrendered to Satan, turned them over, that they may learn not to blaspheme. A lot of you all can't get trouble out of your mouth because you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. You can't get it out your life because you're blasphemous, because you told your leader that they weren't speaking by God because God wasn't talking to you. Your little stones was not letting God's word get through. A lot of the saints blaspheming the Holy Ghost. You know, even as much as I know God, my people will tell you if I'm unsure, I'll tell them you go ahead on and obey God because it's not in me to say God's not giving me anything contrary right now. Now, when he gives me contrary, I'm going to tell you, no, that ain't God. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to need you to go and find out why that got through to you. <laughs> so why do we need to know all of this? Because your talent can take you where your soul can't keep you. My God. And you're, you come into your positions or you come into all of these things, all of, all of this stuff is in your soul. Anxiety, suffering, concern, approval, support, all of that. You've got this whole mixture that's feeding into your stress. But what if you dare to be different, thinking differently to live powerfully. What does that look like? We've got this guy, and he is hammering, why? Forging God's righteousness 
It means that God's going to pound you. It's not my word like a hammer. It breaks the rocks to pieces. And like a fire, it burns away all the chaff. Doesn't it? And that's what it takes to cure your soul. You don't even realize it. Very hard. Okay. Souls equal body equals chemistry. Your soul is where your chemistry, your body's chemistry is encoded, is compounded, and is sent to you, sent to your body, released to your body. That is needful. Why? So where are we now? Where, what are we looking at? all stuck in a pill box, pill that can't get out, needing a cure, can't get out to get it because accuracy brings cures. The more we distorted scripture, the more inaccurate the God's body became and the more enslaved they became to the commandments of men and humanist thoughts and doctrines and theology. Now, you have on, the, uh, on your thing, you have all of the scriptures that you use, and the cures began with prophets. He sent his word and healed them. He healed them of all their diseases. By his stripes, we are healed. Where you? You have to get this accuracy of those scriptures. Purge your soul. In other words, because we have had such bad, bad teaching, such carnal humans, because the humanist teaching comes from idols. Mm. Idols come from fallen angels who have restyled themselves as deities. And that's something. That's how they got there. So they are always going to tell you about how wonderful you are because righteousness tends to life, and they're in your life to kill you. For the thief comes, but for the steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Satan is a kill switch. That's what he does. His job is to kill. That's his job. I mean, we're, you're kind of act, acting as if, you know, and, and they tell you that, no, no, and you think because you can bind and cast. You can't bind and cast anything that has a legal hold or a legal right to be in your life. So we, we start with you can't do it. I know, I know we like to think we can, but we can't. So we're going to start with awareness. We talked about that. And then interest. You need to be interested in being free, moving up to desire, and then acting on your desire. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Hold it, folks. You understand that God didn't say he will give you, I will give you the desires of your heart if you delight yourself in the Lord or whether or not you delight yourself in the Lord. He always does things to lay the foundation, the parameters for getting the desires of your heart is to delight yourself in the Lord. What does that look like? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Enjoy praise. I mean, the fact that you can't sit and tolerate God's word, we tell you to go to prayer, you and I have all kinds of, oh, God, I got to pray. Okay, I don't have time to pray. I'm just so busy. You got all of these, all of these reasons to throw off God's blessings, his attributes, but also his affection and protection. You've got, 
way too many re- no you're not but so you won't act what you act on is on your desire so if your action is i'm not going to church i'm not going to serve the lord i'm not going to prayer i'm not going to sow i'm not going to tithe i'm not going to volunteer i'm not going to stand or any if that is your ultimate action then guess what your desire is what it is your desire is being acted out and no matter how much you want to give god lip service lord you know i love you no you don't wow you love you I'm somewhere in that list, one to ten. Because what you love the most, you trust the most. What you trust the most, you serve the most. Affection. Love has an affection. And that affection has specific actions that people cannot mistake. So part of it, part of it is about Understanding. See, remember we had this whole long talk about understanding. Listen to understand. Not, I hear you. Got it. Yeah. Get it. Got it. I get it. No, you don't. You don't, you don't even know what it is. You can't even name it. <laughs> Everybody knows it is the hardest thing to name. Oh, God. What's the it factor? We don't. It's it. We just settle it down. It. This is it. Universal. Yeah. So you don't, uh-uh, you do it to understand. And understand is a very interesting word because when you flip it, it means stand under and stand on. So God is saying to you that something has to get under your skin, under your surface, under your opinions, under all of that for you to be able to say, I understand. I understand enough to defend it, to perform it, to pursue it, to enlarge. And then you got to think as well as feel. Now, in this particular thing, it's feelings are top. But you understand that feelings cannot be treated. They can only be numbed or excited. You can't really treat people's feelings because there is a logical reason for why they're feeling what they're feeling, and that requires information, that it requires intelligence. As you can see, emotion and logic, it needs both, because what you feel has a logical command center and logical parameters that tells you when this happens, respond with this emotion. When this comes up, do that. And, and you have it, but you you have to decide what, how your emotions are to balance your logic. And the Bible doesn't say in the beginning was the sentiment, and the sentiment was with God, and the sentiment was God. The same sentiment were in God in the beginning, and the sentiments became flesh and dwelt among us. It didn't say that. It said in the beginning was the word, and the word that means logic, intelligence information, wisdom, guidance. So in the beginning was that. Feelings came later because Jesus showed us that he didn't always have share the feelings of his commission. Lord, if it be possible, take this cup from me. As a matter of fact, in John 7, he says, yeah, I got a lot to say. I can judge you right now, and I've got a lot of personal judgments. I have a lot of personal sayings, but I speak to the world 
what the Father gave me to speak. I only speak those things that he gave me because he divested himself of his personhood so that he could become the incarnate purpose of God Almighty. The incarnate purpose. See, he, 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 he literally, that's why you know people who tell you, well, I'm sorry, but that's just not how I feel. No, you ain't dying enough. You need to, when you die to you, and trust me, it is hard. It is so hard to do that because you love you. You're very familiar with you. Aren't you comfortable with you? Yeah. You know you better than anybody, don't you? And listen, you know how to take care of you, how to meet your needs, how to interpret you, excuse you, forgive you. So you got a whole lot of you-ness that has to be handled because you think so highly of you. You won't even imagine. You won't let the dark you ever give information to the light you. Because if you do, you're going to have to face some things. You have to recognize some things. You're going to have to, and, that, and you're going to always say, you know what you mean because you and you and you. <laughs> you yourself and you. Okay? You agree with each other. And you're there to promote and esteem you, not to heal you. Because in your mind, you can't help it if you're sick. I can't help it. It's not my fault I got a hot temper. Yes, it is. You honed it to a hot mess. <laughs> hey. Wow. Come on now. With the home hot mess. So we're, we're going to end it on this. We do have Soul Sunday. Soul Sunday. This Sunday. This, Sunday. this is a prelude. This is a prelude to Soul Sunday, this Sunday. Amen. And so join us at the Congregation of the Mighty at our new address, 7100 East 31st Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Big, pretty building. Hallelujah. Between Memorial and Sheridan, it's our new home. God. On 31st Street, on 31st Street, on, so I have to say on. On. On 31st Street. We're putting our number up so that it'll show up and it'll get you there and all of that kind of stuff. I think they put that on Rachel to do because that's where we put everything. So, um, what's up? See? Did I not know? Join us. Make sure you share this. We covered a lot today. It was really a, a great deal of information. But this is a, we're in a ceiling where God says, we're saying what David said, he restores my soul. God is in the soul restoration mode right now, giving you an opportunity to be healed and to be renewed. We keep saying we want to have an outpouring. God always told people, clean up first. Yes, he did. He always says, stop your stuff, clean up, don't even go to your wives. And, you know, some of y'all got girlfriends and boyfriends, so y'all, I'm shitty, but But in event, he always requires cleansing, washing with the water of the word. John the Baptist always precedes Jesus' arrival. Join us Sunday again. And by the way, share, share, share. And if this really blessed you, then sow seed. Sow a seed to me. Rachel has it on the screen, the seeds you can sow. Until Sunday, God bless you and have a great weekend. Think differently so that you can live powerfully.
Would you like 